Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out, and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge, five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. Can we talk more about the outcome versus process stuff? Because a lot of yeah. times they hear me say, how do you detach from the outcome? I, I, I talk about it all the time. You got to detach from the outcome because they want, they're craving, they want their wife to come back to them. And, you know, yeah. you deal with these guys who are successful and they're wanting that championship. They're wanting to win the, the tournament. They're wanting to whatever. And it doesn't always happen. How, how do you help them detach from that? Well, I mean, um, especially in the world of sport and now even more so now because of, uh, the proliferation of social media, we're bombarded with outcome, you know, messaging, right? Like, so someone standing in front of the car or someone standing, you know, they've got their well-curated, you know, photographs that they constantly post on social media or something like that to build up, um, the veneer of a lifestyle maybe, but, um, in sports, so much of the big, uh, cliches that are out there is about outcomes as well. Um, but we can't control the outcome. It's very important to know what we want as an outcome because our brain is very much teleological. It's goal seeking. It likes clear pictures. Um, most people think very vaguely about what it is they want. They, they don't speak in, um, real clear terms. Um, even, even it's, it's more for yourself, like letting this powerful, machine, not, not, not that the brain is a machine. Cause it's probably one of the most overused metaphors. It's not, it's something far more than that, but letting that mind and brain know, um, what it is that you want. So that's good. Outcome is good that way. But a lot of times that's my ego wanting that. Mm. And, and what I know is that my ego is not everything. My ego is very limited. Um, and so it's always this or something better, right? Like, as I think, like, I think I want that. And then I go that or something better. Cause that's me just admitting to myself, my own ignorance. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think that's what I want. So this or something better. And then I'm going to go into a stage of, you know, now how can I allow that to show up? Well, that's an invitation then. Okay. Cause I'm going to allow that to show up in my world. It's a bit of an attitude shift that I'll have. Okay. Cause just even that alone thing. Okay. Well, how can, can I allow that to happen? Well, now that's a me thing. It brings it back towards me, focusing on me. And well, now what are the things that I can be doing or, you know, feeling or thinking that will help that, uh, which is a process oriented approach. 
So when you're in the middle of a game, if you're worried about what the score clock says uh, or what the score says with two minutes left, you're bringing yourself out of the moment itself because that's all you have when you're performing is the moment. You've got the moment and that's it. It's like if I'm thinking about another player and, and how they're playing, I'm not, I'm not focused on me and what I can do. Yeah. So going to that process is that's why that going back to the alter ego or identity as a, as a tool and approach is very much process oriented because then I can think, well, how do I want to show up in that moment when my kids are having a freak out? And after a long day at work where most of my willpower, it appears has been drawn out of me. I go into reaction mode and I burst at them or I get angry or I rage or, or whatever the thing is. Um, how do I want to show up? Okay. Well then do I practice that very often? Or have I practiced that? Like how I actually have moved into being the father that I want to be to my kids is I practiced it. Like I would practice cause I'm using all, you know, to use Mr. Rogers as the example I watched, I grew up with Mr. Rogers. It's that's not a foreign concept to me. He's got, you know, a place in my head and my heart from, you know, 40 plus years. Yeah. And if there's one thing that you know about Mr. Rogers is that anytime he's having a conversation with a little one, he never talks down to them. He's always on his knee, gets down to their level. So I practiced that because I had, I was never a dad before. Hmm. So I needed to learn, I needed to practice that. And I got into that rhythm. So what I'm doing is I'm using what Epictetus said, um, the great philosopher, I'm invoking the characteristics of someone or something else, and there's nothing fake in it. Hmm. In fact, we all have the seeds of greatness within it within us, but we need a model in our mind to help us sprout those seeds. So it's such a beautiful statement because how I view human beings is, is we have many seeds and attributes available to us, but because we live through an identity called Todd, we start to tell ourselves a story about who he is. Oh, he's extroverted and he's this, we put all these labels on ourselves. Very, very dangerous thing to do. He's from a farm and, you know, that could be very motivating for me, which for me it is. I have a very positive association with what it means to come from there, but there's other people who are coming from some other place and they have a negative association with what that is. Mm -hmm. So now it creates a little invisible puppet string that starts to engineer your behavior on you. Um, and, and so I have these positive associations towards, I know that there's all these, there's a source code of qualities and attributes that are available to me. And I use the model of someone and something else to help me move through my own ego and help to transform into something else. So that now I've got this broader scope of uh, character traits that I can lean on in that, um, in those moments that can be challenging in the book, I called them moments of impact. Yeah. Right? like, you know, um, and so moments of impact and as an example, as a dad, a moment of impact, especially to a child, is bedtime. Yep. Um, that's where all of us, like I've got extremely fond memories of um, those moments when my dad would be coming in late from the field and he would come in and check on me. Mm. Like, did that happen every single night? No, but as a kid who, you know, longed to spend a lot of time with his dad, um, oh, those were like just precious moments. And so for me, that's a moment of impact. And I really, really think about the intentional 
Todd that's going to show up, you know, whether it's me cuddling next to them in their little bed, or maybe that's me kneeling beside their bed and talking about their day. And, you know, I really want them to feel like they're the most important thing in the world in that moment to me. And, and I want them to feel kindness and, you know, that unconditional love that I have for them in that moment. That's all very engineered. Yeah. And, and so it's just that the, the difference that I see Kobe did this brilliantly. And it's the sad thing that we lost when he passed away because I couldn't wait for him to start sharing more about his fatherly ways as well with people. But there was a real intention behind who was showing up in his world. Just like I try to have a very intentional self that shows up as well. I think what's important too, what you're saying to simplify, because again, like what you're sharing is so weighty and so like, which I love, I mean, kind of, I'm not an academic, but kind of, I got an MBA, you know, I, I, I went through school and I, and I miss sometimes this level of communication from people. We don't talk like this very often where it's no. very weighty and your words are measured and calculated um, in a non-manipulative way. And what I want to point out to what Todd just said was that in this, you know, this alter ego of Mr. Rogers, you pointed out the idea of showing up intentionally with your kids going to bed. That's, that's actually one of my moments of impact as well, where I, a couple of years ago, I was going through my divorce. I picked out one thing. What is one thing I can do with each of my kids? So my daughter, I have coffee with every, uh, every Thursday. Um, my oldest son, I try to connect with him a little differently. He's, he's a bit harder to, to connect with yeah. my middle son. Uh, it's, it's every night at bedtime. Um, and my youngest daughter, it's finding moments of play throughout the week. Uh, she's only four years old. And so, but with, with him specifically, I was like, I, I read some study or heard some research about when you tuck in a child at night, that's the number one thing they remember as adults is like that, what that was like. And, and maybe, uh, maybe I'm misquoting this, the, the thing, but, but it was something yeah. like that. And so I made an intentional thing to do that. And that, that carried us through the divorce. And not only that, but, but the, the amount of attachment he has to me has grown tremendously because of that connection. And so what I'm, what I'm want to bring in for you guys is the idea that you don't have to do everything differently. Like, it's not even like we're talking about, you've got to all of a sudden be Mr. Rogers with the, the, the coat and the, yeah. and the, and the shoes, but like, just pick one thing first. Right. And then start with yeah. that. And, and I think that, you know, maybe you could back me up on this, but like a lot of times it's so easy to go, Oh, I got to do 10 different things to become this That's alter right. ego. And That's you right. don't. But, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much of this is, and I mean, this is what I unpack in the book is like the science behind it. So intentionality is one of the big, is the one of the, the big pillars that holds up the method that I unpack for people because I didn't invent alter egos. Cicero coined the term in 44 BC in a letter to a friend who had asked him to kind of unpack his um, principles for success that allowed him to be, you know, um, one of the wealthiest people in all of Rome, um, arguably the most successful Roman statesmen and philosophers um, of all time. And, and so Cicero was unpacking for this friend, um, the alter ego concept and how he used models of other people to help him more dynamically shift into a new identity to help him on a new field of play or conquer a new challenge that he was, um, pursuing. And so, um, that, that concept has been around for a long time, but when I started to 
dive into the methodology that my clients were using at the time, like how they were doing it and stuff. And then, you know, my own experience playing uh, football and then getting to play college football. And I was a nationally ranked badminton player as well. And I used an alter ego when I played because I'm not six foot four, 245 pounds of just solid muscle. I was 159 pounds at my peak when I was in high school, but I didn't play that way on the field. Yeah. And that's because I had a tribe of warriors inside of me that was coming on a field. You thought it had my name on the back, but that's not who was out there. It was Geronimo because I had uh, Walter Payton and Ronnie Lott as my two football heroes that I was invoking. And then I was also invoking the characteristics of five native American warriors. Um, and I just have this extraordinary affinity towards that, that culture I grew on the ranch that I grew up on, you know, surrounded by a lot of like amazing native, uh, history. So, um, that allowed me to play bigger and get out of my own way, yeah. get out of my own way. Meaning that, I wasn't shackling my performance to the fact that I was couldn't put on weight and that I was thin and all this stuff that that wasn't it. That guy didn't show up on the field. So, um, you know, that, that concept has allowed just so many people throughout history. And then, you know, since I started building up the training back in 2003 on it, I've now put hundreds of thousands of people through it and built out the alter egos of, you know, countless athletes. Yeah. And then now because of the book and other things, you know, leaders as well. So yeah. it, it is really powerful for people to think about those moments of impact and, and, and finding that maybe one thing that they could be employing. But the beautiful thing about it is that what, what the self-help world has done a great job of doing is sort of overwhelming people with, you got to do these 86 things in order for you to be <laughs> successful in life. Um, whereas for me, it was like, well, that guy right there already has about 13 of them. Yeah. So I'm just going to model that. And because I'm now associating myself to something different, they actually flow out of me naturally because that is the great superpower of a human being is our creative imagination. Mm -hmm. It is the one thing that we have over everything else on this planet is our ability to shape shift. Human beings are not trees. An acorn will always turn into an oak tree. A pine cone will always become a pine tree. Human beings aren't built that way. Yeah. We can shape shift. And so to appreciate that, understand that, and then you embody it. You're like, wait a second. I don't always have to be this way. Um, and so the challenge that someone listening might have is that, well, for 15 years or 18 years or nine years, my wife or significant other has been experiencing me this way. And so it might take a little bit longer if you did have the desire to turn and write that ship yep. for them to start seeing you in a different way. But, you know, results don't lie. When you consistently every single day, like the Chinese torture test of the single droplet hitting someone's forehead, show up in a different way. And then they expect you to react like you always do when they say something to you. And then you, you don't because that's a moment of impact for you. They say things to you or they undermine you or they have a cutting comment to you, whatever story you tell yourself. And then all of a sudden in that moment of impact, you enter a different phone booth. And out comes Superman and not Clark Kent or outcomes, whatever that source of inspiration is for you. It starts to like create the gears in someone's head. They're locking up because the role that you're playing in their life, you're not playing that same role anymore. Yep. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is where it's like, 
guys, when guys latch onto this concept, uh, we do an exercise in Thrive and is, and we actually give this out for free. And if anybody wants it, hit up uh, support it at empoweredman.co. It's called the Vision 360 exercise. And one of the first things we ask them to do is, is like, in the next 90 days, which superhero would you want to be? And so we have them like create that superhero. And it's always so fascinating to watch the different ones that come up in the homework and, mm-hmm. and, and like why, like why that specific hero. And then we ask them about their finances. We ask them about different, different areas and it gets them to like, literally they unlock from the pain they're in and they start to see there's a tomorrow mm-hmm. and that I can't escape me. No matter what happens with my wife, no matter what happens with my world, I will always be where I am. And that principle alone helps men start to grab, you know, to, to go through that, that idea. Um, this has all been fascinating. There was one thing you said on a, on a podcast, um, a couple, I think it was a year or two ago now with, um, my buddies, Taylor Welch and Chris Evans from traffic and funnels. And you said this, the, the idea that elite people crave accountability. Now with what we do, that is, that is essentially what we do at empowered man. We, and we're not accountability buddies, right? We're not like, we're not like here to just like, all right. Are you good? How are you feeling? You know, like, like we're keeping you accountable to something that you said that you wanted to become. And you said, Hey, I want to become an empowered man. An empowered man looks like this. He communicates, he sets boundaries, all of those things. He releases his pain. He, he shows up like a leader. So we keep you accountable to that. But, but a lot of times men think of accountability as like a negative thing. And and I don't know if that's culturally, um, uh, but I want to hear a little bit more from you on what does it mean when you say elite people crave accountability? Well, elite people understand that accountability is just a forcing function or a mechanism to help them get to where they want to go. So it's, it's that realization. That's why I go back to the statement I made earlier about um, going back to outcomes and wants. Um, a lot of people say that they know what they want, but um, <laughs> either uh, A, and I actually believe they do know what they want. They just won't admit it to yes. themselves. Yes. Um, they won't speak it, say it, you know, um, create it into the world that way. So, um, so that's one of the functions that when an elite person, the reason they're getting elite results. And I say elite person is that people who are getting extraordinary results, um, with the same tools that other people have the same level of, you know, knowledge or, you know, access to information, they're getting extraordinary results. And they know what they want. They're very good at knowing what they want. And because accountability is a forcing function on helping that um, come to life, elite people love accountability because all it is is just another tool and mechanism to help them get to where they want to go. Yeah. Um, it, uh, they also understand themselves and know that you know human beings have a inclination to find a path of least resistance. Hmm. Now, path of least resistance is, is a very good thing, but it can also just like everything in nature, um, nature, I think is the greatest, um, harbinger of whether or not something is true. Cause if something exists in nature, it's probably, it's true. Yeah. Um, but if it doesn't exist in nature, then I'm always like, well, all right as we'd say on the farm, that dog doesn't hunt. Um, and, and so what I mean by that is there's a lot of stuff in the leadership, self-help personal world, spiritual worlds as well, yeah. where those dogs don't hunt. Yeah. Um, 
affirmations is a good example. People massively over-indexing, thinking that affirmations are only good. Well, no, that's not true. In fact, multiple studies, University of Waterloo did a study on this. Um, Stanford Neuroscience Research Lab did a study on this as well. Many, many others, King's College in London did a study on this. Affirmations said to the self from people who lack the confidence around the statement or who have low self-esteem, it actually causes them to go into greater lengths of depression. True. Okay. Well, that's really important because yeah. that actually follows nature, meaning that nothing is always good. Yeah. There is, because water good until you're floating in the middle of the ocean. And the last <laughs> thing I freaking want is more water. Right. 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 But if I'm in the desert, want water. So there's hyper and hypo. Mm. Um, on this band that's there because accountability um, is a, is a forcing function for people. They, um, they view it as, as a positive because it's just getting more out of them. It's, it's because, Oh, go, go, go back to the path of least resistance. That's what it was. Yeah. So going back to path of least resistance um, that because we're engineered for laziness in many ways, human beings are accountability sort of breaks that out of me. And if I really want this thing, I want every freaking function that I can have to ensure that that thing is going to happen for me because I want it. Mm. So the conviction is there around it. So, you know, I just highly encourage people that, you know, if you do have a negative association with the term accountability, it's not a babysitter. That's your own narrative because yeah. an elite person doesn't think of it as babysitting. Yeah. Um, and if they did, they may say, I want the babysitter because I want to make sure that my behavior or my actions or my thinking or my mindset or my emotions or whatever the thing is that I'm working on building actually happens for me yeah. because they, they, they care for it. So um, I've seen that over the years, you know, people that are at maybe lower levels, they resist against the things. And then they are, they're like, well, the successful people aren't telling us exactly what they did to be successful. It's like, <laughs> no, you're just not doing the things. Um, you're not appreciating what they appreciate about the thing that they, that yeah. they do employ. It's funny. Cause you know, you and I met at Cole's event and, um, uh, Cole Gordon, who has a eight, eight figure coaching, whatever it's called anyways. And one of the things they do is he has this, uh, KPI thing that he has in there. And apparently, uh, I don't know if I'm the only guy, but I'm one of the few people that I actually like, I fill it out every single month and I submit it to my account manager. And he's like, you do this every single month. Why? I'm like, because I believe in accountability. If mm -hmm. I don't fill this out, who else is going to, I don't have a board of directors. I'm a small business owner. I could just do yeah. whatever I want in my numbers, but no, I'm striving to become an eight figure company. And this is what it's, I know that in order to do that, I have to do this because I yeah. value it. And I think that's what you're saying here is that you well, will that, that, and also activates so many other things for you. Right. So because you're providing the data to them, you're opening yourself up for more coaching opportunities because they're saying, Hey, cause maybe you don't see it. And they go, Hey, I just want to show you that there's this, there's this trend that's continuously ticking up for you. Have you done something differently? And maybe you didn't recognize it. And, and then, but you started publishing a post on LinkedIn four months ago, every week. Yep. And slowly but surely it's starting to make a shift in your business. And you were just about ready to give up on that post on LinkedIn. But because that person notices it, because again, they have this great vantage point of being outside the bottle. You're in the bottle. Yep. They're outside the bottle. Yep. They can go, Oh dude, like fantastic. Like keep on, keep on doing that. So it, it opens up so many other things for you when you do that. Yeah. And, and guys, that's, that's what we do and thrive. That's what, that's, that's what empowered man is about is, is helping you reach that performance level. Performance isn't just uh, in the business world. It's not just money. It's not just sports. 
your performance as a man, as a husband, as a father is, is everything. And I think in some ways, I think it's the crux. Uh, we have this thing we call the inner and outer man. And, and we believe that everything starts with the inner man, because if the inner man is being worked on and emotional and he's dealing with his emotions, dealing with his pride, dealing with those things, all the other things become way easier to deal with money, et cetera, because they all flow from the heart. Um, and so that's what we do. Todd, I yeah. so appreciate it. And I feel honored that you've been on today. Um, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Obviously we'll drop some links, but how, yeah. how can people follow you? Yeah. So uh, my home base on the internet is uh, toddherman.me, T-O-D-D-H-E-R-M-A-N.me. Um, and then just like all the stuff that I'm involved in, um, you know, bounces from there, like whether it's programs or coaching or, you know, a software company that I own and, and whatnot, and then links to all my social media, but Todd underscore Herman. In fact, if, you know, if you have a, a favorite takeaway from today's episode, yes. um, whether it's uh, screenshotting on your little uh, iPhone or um, Android phone and, and sharing it to social media and tagging both uh, Mark and myself or empowered man and letting me know, or just even privately, it doesn't have to be, you know, across social media, just, just ping me. Cause um, I like getting the feedback and it tells me the message that resonates the most with people because, you know, this is the stuff I love doing is, you know, helping pe- just giving people little tweaks and, and little ways that they can start um, shifting the results in their lives. And um, that's actually based on, you know, practitionership and, and science and proven methods and models to, uh, to get there. So, um, happy to be here, man. Um, yeah. thanks for having me. One last thing I got to say is guys, is this guy is approachable. So don't feel like, Oh, he's this guy who works with all these people. No. I said that to him day when I met him, I was like, wow, you're a real human being. And it's, and it's nice to have that. He has a product uh, program called the 90 day year. So if you're a small business owner, highly, highly recommend it. It's very, uh, I would say inexpensive compared to the value that he provides in that program. I've been through it. It's phenomenal. Um, especially for someone who doesn't like to plan as strategically. So if you're a small business owner, I highly recommend picking that up. Um, he's got great content in there. So it's very, it's, it's across the board. And that's one cool thing about you is you serve across the board and you show up in a way that's powerful for people that, that don't give you anything. That is, that is a rare thing. Meaning that like, you're not asking for return from this lady who barely started her soap business the other day. You're giving her just as much, uh, uh, care that blew my mind seeing some of that in the Facebook group and, and just some of the things you've done. I, I just appreciate that. Thanks, man. Well, can I just double tap on that for a second? And this isn't about myself, but you know, I just want to give some people some language. Like there was a lady who I just did another keynote speech actually this morning to, um, to a group of, uh, leaders. And, um, this one leader reached out to me on Instagram, again, same call to action, like, Hey, whatever impact you the most from the speaker. And so there's a lot of stuff that was sharing and lovely lady reached out and said, uh, was talking to me about her daughter who was struggling as a 17 year old golfer and, and whatnot. And, uh, and she had said in a, in a second message right after that one, um, you know, I don't know what I can do for you. I can't afford you. Um, and so I don't have a lot of following on social media. So there's not much value that I can provide you. Um, and, uh, that was it. And so, I responded with a loom video. So another like, you know, video recording software online and stuff. And, uh, with two videos, one that I want her to give to her daughter just to help her out. And then uh, a separate one for her. And I just said, Hey, like one thing that's troubling for me is, um, don't, don't ever make, make you, don't ever make yourself think that I'm somehow more valuable than you are. I'm not like everyone can be valuable because we can all show up in different, um, moments of impact, whether it's, you know, ordering the sandwich from the guy behind the the counter and just being kind to them and complimenting them on something because 
we have no idea how that person got to that job today and what the stuff that they're going through. And even the people that are listening right now and, you know, struggling and going through, whether it's divorces or, or other things that people are challenged by right now. So, um, you know, that's just a me thing. That's an everybody thing. I just, but I just said to her, like, you know, don't, don't do that to yourself. Cause that's not a very kind thing to do to you. Um, and you know, like, I just think that that's a lot of that stuff is just built from my parents. You know, they, maybe I, I got, I got a great opportunity to see how two wonderful human beings treated other people. And, you know, yeah, while I may get paid to do many things, that doesn't mean that I can't operate or offer value to other people um, that might be challenged by something. So anyway, I I love that. And and I I say this is I think humility is a, is a lost super trait, uh, a superhero trait. Uh, Humility is, is powerful. And uh, I would love to see more of that in our world. So thank you for coming on and sharing. Uh, This is empowered AF. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Biggest misconception about seeing a therapist who drinks moonshine pudding. I don't know. It probably hasn't happened before. <laughs> um, I am possibly like tying myself up to a noose right now. Who knows? Um. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the misconception is that um, maybe I'm unrefined. What was that Hooter slogan? The what slogan? Hooter slogan like a long time ago, like delicious yet unrefined or something like that. (laughs) I don't remember that one. (laughs) Anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never asked, but I, I will say that they probably, they probably suspect somebody to be pretty buttoned up and, mm. and pretty polished most of the time. Um, and to sort of act like a therapist outside of the sofa. Um, but like m- most people that I work with, like, I really just kind of want to be friends with them. Like, and we cut up and like, we laugh and we say obscene things and we talk about life. Like, in like outside of session and yeah i find that uh they probably don't um they probably forget to attach like personhood to it because Mm. um you know in therapy you don't really share much about yourself you don't open the kimono you don't talk about your stuff and i do all the time so um uh cup or not who knows so interesting i i I would say then how like the misconceptions. What about guys that come into our program and maybe get on your call for the first time? What do you think some misconceptions are that they have about you? Cause you're a marriage therapist. Uh, maybe that I'm going to team up with their wife and they're just going to get pounded again by another woman. Mm. Maybe that, um, or maybe the other side of that is that I can give them all the answers about everything that their wife was thinking and and then they'll know once and for all um without recognizing that she and i are probably very different um that there's not like a one woman even though we talk a lot about like generalizations you know women in general but there's so many nuances but they probably have some misconception that because of the way i think she should think that way and so maybe now she's wrong for not thinking the way that i with you know decade plus experience and, you know, eight years of training under my belt should have like, 
that's yeah. probably not probably not fair to their spouse sometimes yeah, that makes sense and i i can attest i've seen the displeasure on guys faces when misty does not agree with what they're saying and they've just shared this grand story about what she what she the wife did and you know i like misty's kind and tactfulness and sometimes just direct for the jugular feedback and not that it's intended that way but guys need to hear that and i think when they're not validated in the experience they're sharing um I think it serves as like a litmus test that, hey, yeah. just because someone is a woman gender wise, and we're not going to get into like gender and all of that right now, but just because someone is a woman does not mean that they need to agree with your viewpoint or disagree. And I think it, it and Mark and I have talked about this and so have Andrew and I, where I think when men are able to hop on Misty's call and speak openly, it's a part of their healing journey of being able to have this amicable conversation with a female that one they're not trying to pursue and two they're actually going says, hopefully. I'm kidding. hopefully hopefully they're not trying to pursue. i've had a couple of messages kind of the already about her. Getting, like uh, man she's really cute yeah okay well you need to like calm down there buddy yeah yeah i don't think we've ever had like any guy that's like been over the top in that way See, wouldn't that be funny shooting his shot right there in public I thought, right. dude what the fuck I would, I would, I would call that out. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that would be hilarious. That would be something I'd be willing to create a Facebook ad out of, like how to get dejected, dejected by your your therapist. Right? It's like, dude, what? The yeah, hell? and I, was, I, I would almost say that the biggest thing for when I'm on a call with Missy is when she calls the guy out. Kind of like what Joey was saying, when they're saying like all this stuff, and I've done all this, and then she's just like, no. Like it's, it, it reiterates what we say, but when it comes from Misty, they're like, hmm, maybe it's real now. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think I get that feeling quite a bit where it's like we have the same message, but when it comes from Misty, it's like, oh, so that is how they sometimes think. Or that is how it should be. Because she has that voice and that, that the female power there, it, it comes in. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting just to add on to that. Um, the frustration that I've witnessed on some men's face, and I'll reference the, and I'm not going to contextualize this just for privacy, but a few weeks ago, Misty, Andrew, and Kevin and I were on a call, and it was Misty's call. And this gentleman, Misty, you probably remember, because I was messaging you, and I was like, something seems off. He is not sharing all of it. And even Misty said back completely bluntly, private message, yeah, my bullshit radar is going off. And this guy, like, it was clear we were not getting the full story, but the story we were getting made him seem like a saint, like he had done no wrong. And the look on Misty's face where she finally was like, well, it's all the feedback I've got for you. And then she moved on to the next guy. It was almost like his lack of, his lack of validation forced him to look inward and I actually got a private message that I didn't tell Misty about. I got a private message about him feeling scared to take full ownership because he was afraid to share with a woman. And I think it's interesting how that comes full circle. And I know we kind of got off topic for a second, um, but this dynamic that we have with Misty inside our program, it serves as a permission slip for some of these guys to either, for lack of a better word, sink or swim. But of well, course, we they start sinking I got the life buoy. I'll bring you back. 
Yeah. I mean, we see that on the sales teams too, because we have a couple of females on our, our closing team now. And one last week, you know, we had a really good application from this guy who was interested in joining the program, business owner, just kind of fit like who we're looking for. And he literally hung up on the advisor because it was a female and said, oh, I don't want to talk to a woman and hung up. And I'm like, well, good, because you would suck in our program then because we have a female marriage coach in there. So, you know, whatever. I don't think he would so, like me very well. No, he wouldn't. And I mean, that's what I wanted to ask you is like, like, well, not why do men hate you, Misty, because that's not the issue. <laughs> but like, like, honestly, when you were talking about this guy earlier, right, I, I noticed this a lot, too, with, with men. And it doesn't matter if they're talking to a man or a female. But men, especially in these positions, right, where they're, 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 they're calling us or they're talking, and I'm talking about guys who haven't even gone in the program, all the way to guys who are in the program. But they have this thing where they lie. And, and, and I, I tell my, my sales team this all the time. I said, look, about 98% of the time, they are lying to you. And it's, and it's because they're telling themselves a lie about their situation. But why do you think men specifically – um, come with that, like, like where they're, they, they don't want to be honest. They don't want to be vulnerable. Like what's that about? Oh man, it's probably a ton of things, but like, as soon as you said it, like my knee jerk reaction was shame. I think men and shame don't, um, they're not a good pairing, but it happens a lot, whether it's, um, you know, shame about who they are, shame about who they're not, shame about what's happening for them, shame about what's not happening for them, shame about what others say about them. I think there's a lot because of that. There's a lot of like ego protection. And, you know, you mentioned like sink or swim. And I think it's like, you know, fight the good fight and preserve every bit of of whatever it is that you have. Um, but I, I mean, at its core, I guess it's an inability to um, be fully seen. Mm. Because if I'm fully seen and people don't like me um, or want me or care about me or what have you, fill in the blank, then there really must be something wrong with me or bad about me. I really mm. must be a bad person. Um, there's probably a ton of other stuff, but like that's the first thing that kind of popped up. It was just this, like... So kind of like a core identity of yeah. I'm shameful, I'm bad, and all, all, all I'm coming to you with this story to protect whatever little bit of identity I have left and, and, and to protect things. I, I, use, I use the term ego a lot in, in this context and talk about men using their ego as something that is to protect the story they've been telling themselves about the situation. You know, especially okay. like by the time they come to us, they've told their story a hundred times to a hundred different people all saying the same thing, she, 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 which is why we invented the she button, because we were like, dude, we can't help you if you keep hitting the she button, you got to hit the me button. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J-Dub and we are out. We'll see you next week. 
Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group, empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.